0: I have a confession for you. It's not something we hear very often in UU churches, but I have one this morning. I sing in the car. More accurately, I sing our hymns in the car. I sing the words that resonate with my spirit in the moment, the hymns we sung in church that day or on Sunday before, the ones I'm wrestling to understand. I sing our hymns because they teach me about the foundations of our shared faith. And as someone who was raised in this faith, I was also raised with these hymns. So a few years ago, when I finally purchased my very own copy of our great hymnal, Singing the Living Tradition, I was ecstatic. I picked up the package from the front step and knew immediately from the weight that it must be our hymnal. Running into my apartment, I tore open the package, took out the thick book, and slid my hand over the worn cover of this pre-owned hymnal. In my excited haze, I yelled for my partner to come over. Brian, come look. It's my new hymnal. Well, it's not exactly new, but it's new to me. I've never had a hymnal before. I love this hymn. Listen, isn't it beautiful? For the next hour, I sat on our couch, flipping through the pages in the hymnal, singing every familiar hymn I came across. I was transported back to the days when I sat in the balcony as an eight-year-old, balancing the hymnal on the old wood, making my minister very nervous. The days in my teenage years, when the only time I let my mom put her arm around me, it was when we were sharing a hymnal in church. The days as a Yu-Yu Young Adult Gatherings, when I learned the songs from our newer teal hymnal, sitting around a big chalice, also known as a campfire. At some point, Brian left me to sit on the couch and sing by myself, and I kept singing. I sang every verse, letting the lyrics sink into my bones. I laughed, I cried, all the while beaming with the delight of a Christian getting her first Bible, a Muslim getting his first Quran. I hadn't known the real power of our hymnal when I bought it, but I know its power now.
1: Forget it. I'm never coming back to a Unitarian Universalist church. John, the father of my closest church friends, who I had known forever as an adult in my church, calmly asked, Why is that, Rachel? This church is just a house of God for people who don't want to deal with their own houses of God. They come to our church thinking they've found something new, but we're just the same. We use this language that I don't understand. We talk about God and Jesus. I don't know who they are. This is my church, but I don't know how to be here. Rachel, John responded, I understand that you feel this way today, and it is your choice, but I encourage you to keep the option open to return. Take time away if you need to, but leave the door open. Through the rebelliousness and confusion of my 20-year-old self, my feelings were heard and validated, and I could hear the wisdom of experience coming from this family and church friend who I had known forever. Okay, I promise to not promise to never come back. I promise to keep the door open to come back to Unitarian Universalism.
0: A touchstone for my faith. You know, that memory which grounds you when you feel you might collapse in uncertainty, that feeling that is etched on your heart for when hatred hits close to home. My touchstone is a series of visual snapshots of the face of a Turkish sidewalk. To put it into context, my body and spirit were in recovery after two months in northern India. Two months, months in which I felt like every universal truth I had ever believed crumbled under the weight of differing cultural perspectives and wise words. I lost my faith on that Turkish sidewalk. As I walked over each sequential crack, I could feel the truths I had held so dear fall off my shoulders. So when I got back to my hotel room, I felt like I had nothing left like my soul had been stripped. Over the next few weeks, I felt faithless. I didn't tell anyone, only myself. I feared that telling others might legitimize my loss of faith, prevent me from finding it again. And the feeling of being faithless was simultaneously freeing and horrifying, like leaving home without plans or destination. But I dwelt in that freeness for a little while. Exploring new ideas which hadn't resonated before. Meeting new people. Asking new questions. But that got tiring. And I needed something to hold on to again. So after the rawness of my stripped stole had started to heal, I began to search for what it feels like. What is left when it feels like everything is gone. And to my surprise... I landed on the affirmation of my home congregation. Love is the doctrine of this church. The quest for truth, its sacrament, and service, its prayer. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another to the end that all souls shall grow into harmony with the divine. and I've been with you ever since. But I keep this memory of finding my deep roots here etched into my mind as a walking stick to keep me company when my spiritual path gets rocky. You've just heard one story that I tell to express how being raised in this faith has made me a rare breed of Unitarian Universalist. My loss of faith didn't leave me away from my tradition. It led me deeper into it. Stories like this one are underutilized in UU churches. And I think it might be because other raised U's have a similar tendency to me. We tend to only share these stories with others who have been raised UU. You see, us who have been raised in this faith feel like we're cut of the same cloth. When another Raised UU shares her experience with me, her words resonate so deeply that I feel like she is describing my story. And upon reflection, it becomes difficult to differentiate between my own story and the words others have contributed to that story. Part of my story is that I have chosen to stay. We who were Raised UU and and who are still around have all chosen to stay. Whether we left for a year or a few decades, we're here, and we're here to stay. We've stayed and seen many of our friends drift away, most often during high school, when children's religious education is over and the adult church doesn't feel like home yet, like Rachel described this morning. And this time between religious education and the adult church makes us feel like we're stuck in a canyon, We who have stayed here have climbed those steep canyon walls, and we know we didn't do it alone. In order to climb, two things were crucial for me. A spiritual backpack, literal and metaphorical, and support from elders. When I left my hometown for college, my spiritual backpack was filled with lessons from religious education, Stories from world religions, the building blocks of healthy relationships, the importance of community service, how to express my spirituality. And when I entered the adult church in that, the uh, church of my, that was in my college town, I was hard pressed to find courses or discussions which would allow me to deepen into the lessons from that backpack. I heard a lot about pledge drives and membership. I sang a lot of hymns that felt like dirges and heard a lot of sermons that could have been given at social justice rallies. And while all these things are part of the adult church that I now love, it didn't feel like the church I knew. It didn't feel like home, and it wasn't what I needed, so I dove into my spiritual backpack. This overflowing backpack was my sustenance. Out of it, I pulled a book of... poems by the Sufi poet Hafiz and a few essays by Theodore Parker, a 19th century UU theologian. It held a dusty Bible through which I found poetry that moved me to tears and ideas that finally helped me make sense of Unitarian and Universalist theologies. All of this I explored alone, usually way too late on a Saturday night when I'd chosen my spiritual ancestors over a night out with friends. I was an odd college student. A Saturday night that kept me up so late, I was too tired for church on Sunday morning. But when I was able to visit my home church, home for Thanksgiving and Christmas, I had the privilege of sitting with elders who would help raise me. They would ask how I was doing, if I was still considering ministry. Oh, how great, they'd say. It's wonderful to see you. And there were other elders the religious education director who asked 21-year-old Bethany how I could use my skills in that community. And though I was technically too young to work with youth, she took a chance on me, asked me to lead a youth service trip, be a mentor for coming of age the next year. Then there was the religious professional, who, the one who knew me in grade school, who spotted my grief-stricken face across a crowded conference center, called me over, He heard my discouragement with our denomination's culture and asked how I was going to change it. He assured me that I would be the one to change it. There was the elder in Rachel's story this morning who asked her to not promise to not come back. Look where she is now. These elders showed us that there was a space for us in the pews. There was a place we could offer our gifts. There was a future that was based upon our participation right now. As you, you young adults, when we are in that canyon, we sit on the edge of staying and leaving. We are so fragile that a single breeze from one direction could just push us either way. A breeze that has pushed some to leave when we are asked to lead an event, then told all the things we did wrong. A breeze that pushed us to stay when you ask what skills we wanted to develop in this congregation. A breeze that pushed us to leave when you told us that you too had reasons to leave. A breeze that has pushed us to stay when you listened to our frustrations and shared why you chose to stay here. Understand that just after leaving religious education, we are sitting in this delicate balance, often for many years. And if we choose to stay, we need ways to deepen into this faith. We don't need UU 101, we don't need World Religions classes. We need a seminar on Unitarian Universalism, an opportunity to explore what makes us uniquely Unitarian Universalist. We aren't interested in finding spiritual practices from other traditions. We are yearning for practices which will engage us in the theology we know we share and the differences we know we embrace. We don't want to come to church on Sunday mornings. We want to create a faith that can be lived seven days a week. And we want to do this with you, those who are in it for the long haul. All denominations are struggling to keep their youth. We're not unique in that regard. But we do have a struggle that is unique. And it shows. Just 12% of UUs in our pews today were raised in this faith. By comparison, it compares to between 40 and 60% in other liberal Protestant denominations. So those numbers can't lie. We have to be doing something differently. The biggest difference I see between UUs and other liberal denominations is that we don't provide all the answers. Sometimes it feels like we don't provide any answers, but that's our hallmark, right? We cherish that. So that we don't offer creed or systematic theology, we have one central ask, and one necessary promise. The ask is that each individual will follow their own spiritual path. The promise is that we, this community, will be with you through your journey. One ask, one promise. I think that if we do both of these well, we can create that shared theology that younger UUs often ask about. The ask we do really well we raise our children and youth to feel the independent search for truth and meaning deep in their bones we give them the tools to search discover and question and what we end up with is some of the most interesting introspective confident heart-driven people i have ever met yet when these confident youth enter our pews they can't find a place to pursue their spiritual growth in fact they often, too often, become confident they can pursue their spiritual growth out in the world better than here. This yearning for spiritual growth becomes that breeze which pushes them, and they leave. Not always on purpose, but casual drifting often leads to a permanent rain check on coming back. They fall into that statistic I nearly became when I dove into my spiritual backpack, They explore their spirituality in university dining halls, coffee shop after yoga class with friends. They find community in all these places. And for at least that moment in time, this community supports them. And when it doesn't, they move on. They find another coffee shop, another community, another yoga class, another community, another circle of friends, another community, and you get the picture. But I've met Raise UUs in college classes and walks in the woods, Birthday parties and bars, I spot flaming chalice tattoos and necklaces on public transportation, in restaurants, at rallies, the grocery store, and many of these folks self-identify as Unitarian Universalist. They know our values like the back of their hand. And to them, living a Unitarian Universalist life is important, life-sustaining, even. So when I tell them I work at a UU church, they almost always answer, Oh, Yeah! I mean, we need to get back one of these days. I haven't been in ages. I hear over and over from many raised UUs who have left that living a Unitarian Universalist life does not require regular participation in a UU community. I don't always agree, but I hear that. Without the regularity of Sunday morning worship or monthly potlucks, they have found ways to live their lives in their everyday lives. They have careers that allow their values to flow out of them. They join housing cooperatives. They start rooftop gardens. They organize protests to keep affordable housing and hold corporations accountable. They read books on God and Moses, theology and theodicy. They speak about living a Unitarian Universalist life seven days a week. Love in every moment. When I see these living examples of Unitarian Universalism outside the church, I think back to that promise we make. How have we been so successful in the ask to seek spiritual truth, but not so successful in this promise to stay with you on the journey, especially stay with our youth? How have we guided so many of youth to, our youth to search for something that is outside these walls? And what can we do today to make this promise more clear? As someone who has survived her ascent up the canyon walls into the adult church, I can tell you this. I was lucky. I was lucky to have a foundation of elders who could see my ministry before I did, pointed out, encouraged me to follow that dream. I was lucky to have been asked to join so many committees in my youth years. I knew how and when to say no and yes in the adult church. I was lucky to discover a community of UU young adults who had similar struggles to me, who could be living examples that it is possible to stay with this faith. I was really, really lucky. But keeping our youth shouldn't be about luck. A church community could do everything it did for me, for each of its youth. At its best moments, I see this church doing all these things. This church has raised dozens of fabulous ministers, the type of ministers who don't arise without communities who urge them to blossom. There are elders in this church who know how to identify, encourage, and raise ministers. This church has living examples of staying with this faith. Whether you've made it through 50 years here or if this is your second service, this is you are a living example. Share that with those around you, especially the youth because they are yearning to learn from you. This church has so many activities to lead and committees to join, and an even greater wealth of persons who are ready to give their gifts. Say yes when the opportunity arises, because our youth and young adults can smell authenticity a mile away. We can see when someone is doing something they love, and seeing that will help us learn what it feels like to do something you love, to give your gifts. We are the elders, we are the living examples, and we are the givers. This church is all of these things in its best moments. But we hold ourselves back from having more best moments when it comes to creating a shared theology that many Rays use are clamoring for. I think we misinterpret our commitment to freedom of belief to mean that we should not interfere with others' beliefs by sharing our own. Maybe we fear imposition, Maybe we don't want to share a theology that has holes in it. Maybe we aren't sure what we believe. Whatever it is, we do a disservice to those yearning to stay here when we don't speak our own truths. We do a disservice to ourselves when we don't deepen into this faith with those seeking spiritual depth. Remember that promise? That promise we make to each other to support our journeys? This support... And the promise can't be silent. It has to be active, vocal, compassionate. We must share with each other why we love this faith. We must share with our neighbor in the pew the story of what has made, a, have made us stay here. Show each other how we live our UU values in our workplace, at town meeting, on the sidewalk, at the grocery store. And in particular, youth and young adults in this faith are yearning to hear from you. We are yearning to hear that we are not alone in our quest to deepen into this faith. Support for us and all who are seeking a place to stay has to be active. I am one of the lucky youth who received enough support from my Unitarian Universalist community to firmly plant roots here. The values... That this Unitarian Universalist community, this wide community, have always been with me. And when I came back after facing that Turkish sidewalk, my church recognized that I was home and that I was here to stay. Stay! We all hope to find somewhere where we can stay, and we all deserve a place where we can stay. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to sing those little morsels that have allowed you to stay here, whether they be people or events, words. And if you're new here or just visiting or can't think of one, name any moment that made you feel like you were home. Because we stay anywhere
2: we're home, right? Staying with you, staying with you is my prayer.
0: Speak anything.